1: Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate.
2: And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back.
1: Today, you'll learn about a new test that can show how well each of your organs are aging, some interesting links between comfort food and stress, and a surprising finding about certain snails.
2: Without further ado, let's satisfy some Curiosity.
1: Over the past decade or so, there's been a lot of talk about the difference between chronological age and biological age.
2: Right. I mean, chronological age is literally how old you are according to the date you were born, and biological age is a little trickier. Uh, As I understand it, isn't it basically kind of a measure of how well your physical body is aging?
1: That's exactly right. So you could be, say, 35 years old, but because you exercise a bunch and eat a healthy diet— The wear and tear of your body is that of, say, a 28-year-old.
2: And that tends to be a better measure of your potential lifespan, right?
1: That is the idea. But, of course, it's not always super easy to calculate your actual biological age. But a new method developed by researchers at Stanford aims to give an accurate assessment, not of your total biological age, but the aging rate of 11 different major parts of your body. And that could be a huge deal.
2: Okay, wait a second. What does that mean exactly?
1: Well, it's potentially a really incredible test. So it turns out that one thing that makes determining our biological age so difficult is that our different parts don't all age the same way. For example, someone might have the heart of a 25-year-old, but the kidney functioning of like a 60-year-old.
2: Okay, I see. So this new test actually looks at individual organs.
1: Yep. And the coolest thing is that it's just a simple blood test. At least it's simple for the patient. But behind that blood test is a massively complicated process that uses machine learning algorithms trained with enormous amounts of blood test results and patient data to sift through thousands of proteins. And these proteins can be separated into different patterns, each specific to an organ.
2: So with the algorithm, they can figure out how each organ is aging, basically?
1: Right. And when they tested this new method on healthy adults, they found that about 20% of them over the chronological age of 50 had at least one organ that was aging more rapidly than the others. Not only that, there was a link between those fast aging organs and a higher risk of disease or even death within the next 15 years.
2: Wow. Okay. I can see why this would be such a big deal. If you can pinpoint which organs are aging more rapidly, you can tailor treatments to that specific organ, right?
1: Totally. Or better yet, you might not even know you're at risk. So this gives doctors a head start at putting interventions in place.
2: I see. So if you find out that your liver is aging pretty fast, you can change your behavior on your diet before it actually becomes a problem. Uh, So what organs can they test?
1: So far, there's 11 of them. We've got brain, heart, lungs, liver, intestines, kidneys, fat, blood vessels, immune tissue, muscle, and the pancreas.
2: Okay, that about covers it, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, I, mean, I mean, it's a lot, yeah.
1: And the, Now, this test isn't quite ready to hit the shelves yet, but the team has applied for a patent and is pushing forward to validate their findings with bigger studies. If they can replicate their findings with tens or hundreds of thousands of test subjects, they can start treating people before health problems arise.
2: That all sounds great, but I do have one question. Do you really want to know how old your organs are? It seems like it could be really helpful to know, but also really anxiety-inducing.
1: That is absolutely something to consider. This test could open up a window into the body's health that not everyone wants to see. And as with any advancement in medicine, that needs to be taken into account.
2: When some of us get stressed out or the pressure of the world starts weighing us down, we often reach for the most delicious thing we can find. I know that personally, I actually have a really big sweet tooth.
1: Ooh, I I like both. I like the salty and the sweet, you know, stress hits and it's like the toss-up, do I want chips or do I want chocolate chips? Eh? (laughs) Either way, they always make me feel better.
2: Okay, okay. So a new study suggests that stress-eating junky comfort food, uh, comfort food being something that's often high in sugar, fat, and salt, might actually just make us even more stressed out. And at a minimum, that tasty garbage makes it harder for us to recover from the stress that has us reaching for junk food in the first place.
1: Mm, So, I mean, junk food is junk food whether or not you're stressed out. But if I had to come up with a hypothesis about junk food and stress, I think I honestly would have guessed that eating it when we feel anxious had a positive effect.
2: Okay, talk us through that hypothesis. Well,
1: okay, when we feel stress or pressure, our bodies crave easy, junky comfort food, right? I would assume that there's some biological reason for that craving.
2: I see. So perhaps our bodies get stressed out and crave the food that will alleviate that stress?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, But apparently this study says the opposite.
2: That's what they wanted to find out. So let's break down the study a little bit. They enlisted healthy subjects between the ages of 18 and 30. They basically sat them in a room where they could see themselves on a monitor.
1: Hmm. Already a little stressful watching yourself (laughs) on a monitor.
2: It gets even better. They had them eat two flaky, delicious butter croissants and then complete a mentally stressful math problem.
1: I do love math and I do love croissants, so this could be my ideal test. How'd the participants do?
2: (laughs) So the most telling part of the study came when they measured vascular functioning and specifically blood flow to the brain they found that eating those fatty foods under mental stress led to a nearly 2% reduction in vascular function. And while that might not sound like a big deal, earlier studies have shown that a 1% reduction in vascular function can lead to 13% increase in the risk of cardiovascular disease. So all of this spells a really negative impact on mental health and cognitive functioning.
1: And when you're stressed, what you need most is mental health and cognitive functioning. So (laughs) in other words...
2: Comfort food only makes you less able to handle that stress that drove you to the comfort food in the first place.
1: And it puts you at risk for cardiovascular disease.
2: Exactly. The researchers were actually blown away by the effect of comfort food on the subject's performance and how it impacted their recovery from stress. And while we might not need another study telling us that junk food is bad, the implications are actually pretty huge. Millions upon millions of people spend their workdays in high-stress jobs. The adverse effects of all that stress piles up over time and can do real harm to our mental health. When you add junk food to the mix, the results aren't great.
1: It's one of those studies that sort of confirms what we may already assume. Just, you know, junk food is bad. Hey, amazing. (laughs) But I'll be honest, stress eating a bunch of carrots just doesn't hit the same.
0: Yeah, I'm still going to reach for the cookies.
1: A research team in Kyoto and Hokkaido, Japan, has revealed some hard-hitting findings that could change the way we view snails.
2: Huh. Snails?
1: Snails. Yep. These little guys have a reputation for being slow and uh, maybe even a little bit lazy.
2: Sure. When someone is dragging their feet, we say they're going at a snail's pace.
1: Exactly. So these researchers wanted to look a little more closely at snail behavior, particularly when it came to how they reacted to threats. And the findings were surprising, especially because they found that different species can actually have opposite natural behaviors.
2: Okay, so what kind of threats do snails face?
1: Good question. Snails have natural predators, like the carabid beetle, and previous studies have shown that some species of snails will actually shake their shells at predators (laughs) as a way to ward them off, which can be viewed as a rather aggressive behavior for a snail.
2: I mean, I don't know about aggressive, but it's certainly proactive.
1: Right. Especially when compared to other snails that, you know, defend themselves simply by hiding inside their shells.
2: I mean, that's typically what we think about when we think of snails, right?
1: It's probably what I would do if I were a snail, honestly. (laughs) Sure. So this research team drew on those previous studies when they observed the snail species called K. gainaceae, which is primarily found in Hokkaido. In a surprise, when faced with external stimuli that mimicked the carabid beetle, these little creatures did something surprising. They hightailed it out of there. Like they ran? As far as snails go, this was their equivalent of running. Yeah, they picked up their pace by anywhere between 20 and 30%. Now, that's the difference between 1.05 millimeters per second to around 1.3 millimeters per second, but for them. Oh my know, gosh.
2: I mean, that's not lightning fast, exactly.
1: Yeah, but for a snail, that's like a sprint. (laughs) Now, while this particular snail species doesn't fit our stereotype of the typical snail, it's bold, active, and can be downright aggressive as far as snails go. Other species actually do fit the stereotype, and that's the bigger picture here.
2: Let me see if I understand where you're going with this. Two very similar species that seem exactly the same in so many different ways can actually exhibit different behaviors.
1: Well, not just different behaviors, opposite behaviors. The implication is that closer observation and study of multiple behavioral traits can enhance our understanding of the evolutionary processes, even those that don't seem obvious on the surface.
2: So now that we know snails can be aggressive, maybe more schools will adopt them as their mascots. Well, uh, sure. I, I can no. just see it now. I'll like, can you imagine? Like the. It's
1: not going to go over well at track meets.
2: No. What are those things called that they put the 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 people in the big mascots that dance around at like basketball games?
1: The mascot. <laughs> it's gonna gonna catch on real real strong. Yeah.
2: It is. I can already see it.
1: <laughs> Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Stanford University researchers have developed a blood test that predicts the aging rate of major organs, potentially identifying health risks, and helping to create early interventions for age-related diseases.
2: A study has revealed that eating fatty foods during stress, such as chocolate or chips, can significantly impair the body's recovery from pressure, leading to reduced brain blood flow, poor vascular function, and increased heart disease risk.
1: Researchers have discovered that a snail species, specific to Hokkaido, Japan, Exhibits speedy, aggressive behaviors when threatened, challenging the stereotypes of all snails as slow and lazy.
2: I did always want to challenge the stereotypes of snails.
1: You know, the world has been needing that. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
2: Our Discovery executive producer is Dominique Vu. Our wheelhouse DNA executive producer is Cassie Berman. This show is hosted by Callie Gade and Nate Bonham.
1: Our producer is Kiara Noni, and our associate producer is Kimaya Floyd. Writing is done by Sam Osterhout.
2: Sound design, audio engineering, and editing by Nick Carissimi. I'm Nate Bonham. And I'm Callie Gade. We'll see you next week.